Welcome to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan, and each episode I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. Before we dive in, I want to let you know about two very important things. Number one, the stories shared here are often gritty, raw, and vulnerable, and very likely will include speaking about sensitive topics suited for a mature audience. Number two, this podcast is also broadcast live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So on whatever platform you follow myself or Freedom Nutrition Coaching, you have the opportunity to participate in this discussion during the live stream. And we encourage your participation both by commenting and asking questions. And so this podcast is about exploring the stories that take place between the before and after photos, not just in the realm of weight loss, but in all areas of life. So let's dive in. All right, welcome back to Between the Before and After. As always, I have a special guest. I don't think there's ever a time I don't have a special guest because everybody I get to talk to is amazing and I'm always excited to explore the stories. Um, but today we're talking with Dr. Debbie Silber. Did I, I'm not sure I should have asked if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but... You got All it. right. You got it. Uh, you're not a medical doctor, I don't think, or maybe, maybe you added MD to your title. <laughs> so you are a doctor of psychology and you have a very interesting field of study um, that I have some personal experience in and you do as well, which leads to a really fascinating story and the amazing work that you're doing. So what I'd like to do is just hand it over to you, let you give people a brief introduction to yourself and the work that you're doing right now. And then we're going to dive into the story that led you to doing what you're doing now. Yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm running the PBT, the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. And, you know, you can imagine you don't, you don't study something like betrayal unless you have to. You study it because, <laughs> yeah. you, study it because you have to. And, and it's, it's all based on, uh, on a study that I did, which made three groundbreaking discoveries. And we're just helping countless people move forward physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically. Mm-hmm. So, after an experience with betrayal from a family member, partner, friend, coworker, self. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about betrayal and uh, uh, probably everybody who listens or almost everybody has some kind of experience with a type of betrayal in their life, there's something about that that's different than just being wronged. You know, I, for example, in my own story, I, I went through a violent trauma when living in South Africa and but nobody, the, the people who attacked me didn't know me. I was, I was just a person. But I also went through like a really significant betrayal in my life that was from someone who was a very, very close friend. It was a business relationship that didn't go well and left me in a lot of debt and so on and so forth. But it, and it wasn't even the money. It was the fact that I was betrayed by someone who I deeply trusted and thought was a close friend. That sort of thing is more difficult to overcome, I think, than just being wronged. What is yeah. it about the... Uh, you know, about the human condition that makes something like betrayal so particularly painful and difficult. Well, you know, and, and you said it, and that was actually one of the discoveries that it's a very different type of trauma because it feels so intentional. So we take it mm. so personally. And this was the person or these were the people who gave us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. And, uh, you know, while we can betray, be betrayed by all kinds of people, the, it is when when it's the people closest to us. It is absolutely traumatizing, and it it shocks the body, the mind, the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the discussions around mental and emotional health have certainly expanded and broadened, and largely to a, a positive effect. But I try to be thoughtful around the use of the word trauma because 
we know that there's terms on social media that kind of just get grabbed and thrown around flippantly without really kind of a full understanding of what they're saying. And so maybe it'd be helpful just actually for anybody listening to kind of define what are we what are we really talking about when we talk about so like what is the sort of dividing line between like just a, an uncomfortable experience and something that's like legitimately traumatizing. I mean, I can speak from the lens of betrayal, and I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And every mm-hmm. relationship has them. So it's it's when without our awareness or consent, someone chose to break that spoken or unspoken rule. That's a betrayal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and what what sort of defines? I mean, and I think every human experience is individual. But are there some defining commonalities, if you will, in how we respond emotionally, mentally, and even physically within our body when we experience trauma? I think what I'm trying to clarify here is how how might we know that I've I've legitimately been been traumatized versus I'm just I had an uncomfortable experience that I didn't like very much. Right. Well, you know, it depends on the severity of the trauma. Sometimes, you know, we need resiliency skills to bounce back, restore, you know, bring us back to where we were. But then when it comes to the bigger types of trauma, that's where we have an opportunity for transformation completely. And and that was actually in the study that I did, I was studying betrayal and Mm -hmm. uh, post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, uh, post-traumatic growth is I kind of look at it like the upside of trauma, how that trauma, regardless, whether it's death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd actually been through disease too. And I was like, Nope, betrayal feels different for me. I didn't want to assume it was the same for my study participants. So I asked them, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, is it different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And it's because Mm -hmm. it feels so intentional. We take it so personally. So think about it. The entire self is shattered. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, Mm -hmm. confidence, worthiness, trust. And they all have to be rebuilt. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, which is, yes, you rebuild your life, but you also need to rebuild yourself. Like, for example, if you Mm. lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss, you don't necessarily lose your ability to trust. It doesn't have to be rebuilt. Betrayal just brings it to a very different level. So it's not to say what's better or worse, all traumas stink. But what I'm saying is it's the the attack to the self is what differentiates betrayal. Yeah, which is really, really fascinating to to think about and we often talk about something like a physical death but i think there's also maybe we could say like metaphorical deaths plural that we experience in life as we go through these experiences because there is the loss you mentioned grief as well the loss of something that we probably can't get back and in order to transform we have to be able to move past that and perhaps you could speak to this a little bit too like what keeps us stuck is maybe not believing it is possible for us to move past that or not seeing what is possible for us, which is probably why you do such an important and crucial work. Um, What is it that um, might keep people stuck from uh, being able to move forward? You know, you mentioned grieving. That's, that's a really important piece in a very specific spot in when you're healing from betrayal, which is really what the third discovery was all about. I'm happy to share the third or Mm -hmm. the second one, if you want to hear that. Um, because they, they all tie together when you see it to, to, to answer, you know, your question, um, I could just get right to the third. Mm. This to me was the most exciting. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five 
proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing now from betrayal is entirely predictable. And I'm happy to share the five stages if that works. For sure, for sure. And I think think we will will get into that. But I want want to leave that as a little nugget of intrigue because, of course, there's elements of your story that I also want to explore as well. Because, of course, the work that you're doing, what, what I love about it is when we get into a work like this, it's very rare that I meet someone who hasn't doesn't have deep intimate personal experience with something that's a part of the whole part of the story here and mm-hmm. so if we if we kind of turn back the clock a little bit here because uh, I imagine like probably growing up you didn't have this idea that I'm going to become a betrayal particularly like a betrayal researcher or a betrayal trauma researcher um, you know what, what was life like for you kind of growing up where did you grow up and uh, you know was there any indication that this is the direction you would go in yeah, this there was zero indication this was the topic I was going to uh, study. It's actually my 30th year in business. It was health and then mindset and then personal development and psychology and, you know, later on. But uh, but it was really I had um, a betrayal from my family and mm-hmm. then I thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And then it happened a few years later. This time it was my husband. So that was mm-hmm. the deal breaker. Uh, got him out of the house and here I am thinking, okay, well, what's common to these two experiences? I mean, of course me, but what else? And I realized in in my entire life, uh, I never took my needs seriously. Boundaries mm-hmm. were always getting crossed. And I'm one of those people that believes if nothing changes, nothing changes. So right, here I was, right, right. four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I was like, nope, a, a book isn't helping me out of this mess. I need to get a whole PhD in it. So I enrolled in this PhD mm-hmm. program in, in uh, transpersonal psychology, psychology of transformation and human potential. And while I was there, I did I did that study on betrayal. It led to the three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. But it was when I was going through that study, I just remember thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to heal from this, but if I do, I'm taking everybody with me. Absolutely. So now you mentioned that um, boundaries is something that you you struggle with and struggle with for many, many years. And I think setting bound, he- healthy boundaries is a crucially important aspect of any human relationship. Mm-hmm. And so again, I go back to like maybe the formative years uh, of life, because I think, but where did this come from? Maybe whether or not we do form boundaries and how do we form boundaries, you know, going through like childhood, teen years and things like that. When you look back on that experience, do you see that there was this tendency to allow people to potentially uh, breach your boundaries or take advantage? of you or things like that? You know, it really wasn't, it wasn't friends. It, it, it was my family. And, and mm-hmm. the, the, the challenge with that is, you know, you're a little kid and you're like, oh, these big people must know better, you know? So, mm-hmm. so but I remember being this little kid thinking, and it was such a shock to me to even come up with this. Um, one day I just, I, I remember thinking, what if, what if it's not me? And it shocked mm. me and, and shook me to my core. And I don't know why, but I just said, just just keep thinking that. And it turned into, I don't think it's me. And then again, I remember exactly where I was. That's how profound it was. And then it turned into, what if it's what if it's them? Again, a shocker. And then eventually, right. oh my gosh, it's them. And that was sort of like the get out of jail card because I, I really knew, even though I was conditioned into believing it was all me, that was wrong, bad, all these things. It wasn't. How how old were you when you, when you first had that thought, what if it's not me? Yeah. Uh, I was probably eight, nine, eight, nine years old. And, and where where were you, where were you growing up? What sort of like, 
somewhere in, I, I'm guessing you're from the US. Do I have that right? Yes, yes, yes. So I was in I was in New York. And I, I'm telling you, I remember I was standing by a tree. Like I remember that's how huge this was that I remember. Okay, so you're eight, 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 eight years old, you're in New York, you're standing by a tree. Was this at school or where was it, where was this taking place? No, no, I was I was out. I wasn't in school, but I'm telling you, it it shocked. It, it just was such a, a a like a contrary weird way to think. But it, but I, and I don't even know what compelled me just to keep going with that, uh, but it eventually became so, the belief and, and started this belief system that, and it really then it was based on well wait a second people like me I have friends I you know and it was as a little yeah, kid like, yeah that bad right and so, and it just grew it just grew, well, grew. yeah then I think what I'm curious about here then it is like. If at eight years old, you're you're already asking questions. What if it's not me? And you've you've mentioned like family members. Mm-hmm. What what was or what were people doing to you at that age? At eight years of age or younger than that, that had you like what was happening there? That had you wondering, hey, something about this isn't right, and I can't quite figure it out. Yeah, it was it was mental, verbal, emotional abuse. Nothing sexual, nothing physical, mm-hmm. but uh, but enough where you know you're 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 being told things, you're being fed things, you're you're believing these things, and you uh, it gets you to completely believe in in this yeah, you know in these beliefs that absolutely don't serve. And listen, people are acting from their current level of consciousness, so it wasn't mm-hmm. intentional. They were doing the best they could with what they had available to them. But I'll never forget, you know, even just years later where I just, I had, I always have a bunch of dogs and, uh, and I remember <laughs> looking at them one day thinking, you know, I would never expect my dogs to act anything other than dogs. Like why right. would I ever expect anybody from a, you know, certain level of, of where they are to act anything other than what they've always done. Hmm. So what, what, uh, what family member, if you don't mind sharing that is, uh, what family yeah. members were, uh, it's not, you know, it, I, I'm not looking to throw anybody under the bus, but, uh, but yeah, but it really got me thinking very, very differently. And then, like I said, I thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And then a few years later, um, it, 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 it happened back. and this time it was my husband. And it's interesting because when we, when we talk about betrayal, a clear sign of an unhealed betrayal is repeat betrayal where the face has changed, yeah. but it's the same thing. And, and uh, I mean, I can, we can spot an unhealed betrayal in work in health and relationship. And we keep getting um, opportunities in the form of people to teach us something, you know, we mm-hmm. are lovable and deserving. We need better boundaries in place, whatever it is. And until, and unless we get that, we're going to have these opportunities in the form of people to teach us, but think about it. Look, in my experience, for me to have that betrayal by my husband and then for me to do something so huge for me, which was enroll in that PhD program, which changed my life. I mean, we made the discoveries, opened up the PBT Institute, uh, the books, the, the TEDx talks, mm-hmm. the podcast, the everything. It was, you know, lesson learned, no reason to repeat itself. And that's the problem with so many people. They, they have this one belief they don't heal. They have an experience with betrayal, certainly not suggesting it's anyone's fault. It's their mm-hmm. opportunity. They don't learn that lesson and, and they live a lifetime of these repeat betrayals, not understanding that unless and until something huge changes, nothing's mm-hmm. really going to change. Yeah, right. So, so there was a point in your experience when you went for what if it's not me to... Mm-hmm. I think it's them. Is this like uh, a year or two later? Is this like you're a teenager now? Is this your young adult now? When did the switch go from, I wonder if it's not me to, I'm quite sure it's them? 
Yeah, I, it was, it took, this whole process took a couple of years because keep in mind, there was nothing I was doing. Like, it wasn't like mm-hmm. I was following any sort of protocol. I mean, this was For just sure. me as a kid winging it. And, and how, how to kind of exploring life. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it took, it definitely took a couple of years. And, and not, not only that, of course, this is like happening, you know, sort of pre-internet uh, days I'm quite certain. Um, mm-hmm. And as such, not access to the same sort of level of information, communication, all that kind of stuff either, right? So, I mean, I think it, it's remarkable that you had this sort of sense of intuition that like something doesn't feel right about this and I'm beginning to recognize this is not um, about me. Did that begin to affect your interactions with other people, maybe with friends, with schoolmates, things like that, as, again, you continue to go through your formative years? Yeah, you know, it was it was always that question of, if I'm that bad, why do people like me? Why do I have friends? I'm okay. I think that, you know, I'm I'm a nice person. I've never, I mean, I can honestly say even at this point in life, I have never intentionally hurt a human being. And I Mm. can, you know, take a lie detector test on that one. So I really knew, I don't think I'm that bad. There's something mm-hmm. about, you know, because it seems that only people who are saying or doing really hurtful things would would fall into that category. And I'm not doing those things. So I was sort of bringing logic into it as best I could. But, right, right. Um, but Interesting. It, just, it wasn't making sense. Right. Yeah. Or the, the, like there's a gap there, but you're you're mm-hmm. connecting two dots. You just don't know how to fill that in yet. Now. So was there anybody or, or some people in your life who were a positive anchoring influence that helped, you know, because you mentioned, you know, hey, I have friends and things like that. And so you had kind of this counterbalance. You weren't necessarily isolated with these individuals who were, who were say, verbally, emotionally, mentally uh, mm-hmm. abusing you and mistreating you. Mm-hmm. Who in your life was helping you to kind of remain anchored to your sense of self through that time, if anyone? Yeah. You know, by the time uh, I was probably, I mean, I met my husband at 18. And mm. I would have to say, if I, if I really think about it, my in-laws who okay. just saw me from such a different lens. And, and, uh, and I, to this day, I mean, I have such a beautiful relationship with them. And mm-hmm. that was, if I, if I didn't name, you know, anybody, it would, it would really be my in-laws. But other than that, no one, it was a total like self learned, just keep going with this idea. For sure. Uh, so you mentioned that you met, you met your husband at uh, 18 is that, which is, which is, yeah, still, still so quite young. And how, how did you guys meet and what, what drew you to him or, or what drew him to you? Or? Yeah. You know, and, and again, this is, I feel the, the, the universe saying, okay, you have some major life lessons to learn here. And, and the first, you know, 20 years, it was, it was amazing. So we met, yeah, we met in 84. I mean, I'm old and, okay. and, uh, and, um, and it was Se- seasoned and, chicken. Yeah. There you, you go. Instead of spring chicken. I've heard that right, expression. I like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very seasoned. And, um, and every, you know, it was just the first 20 years were great. And then um, here I was raising, you know, four kids and these six dogs and his business was taking off and we we definitely grew apart. And then uh, it was that absolute crash and burn. And, and I'll tell you, betrayal will show you who someone truly is. It also has the opportunity to wake them up to who they temporarily became. And, and just to close the loop on my story, um, you know, you can heal from all of it, whether you heal yourself and move on. And I'm happy to share with you the other two discoveries mm-hmm. to tell you exactly how to do that. Or, um, you know, with my family, it just wasn't an option to heal and rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you you have the opportunity sometimes to rebuild something entirely brand spanking new with that person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago as 
two totally transformed people, uh, we married each other again. New rings, mm. new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. And um, never, remarkable. never in a bazillion years would I have done anything like that if, mm -hmm. if uh, he wasn't totally transformed, of course, and if I if I wasn't either, either. But a big mistake I see a lot of people make is they're just so sad and so uncomfortable. There's mm -hmm. no transformation on either side, and they just figure out, okay, well, they just figure, okay, let's just kind of make this work somehow. And, uh, so you, yeah, yeah. You mentioned like the first 20 years were amazing. So it's like 18 to 38 kind of thing. Um, and, and so like, what was it that, that made it amazing? What was it that like, where everything seemed like it was fantastic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, it, it was great. We were just, we were raising our kids and creating a life and, and it was, it was really good. It was really, it, we were just having a really good time. And, uh, and then it was, you know, and was, was it in that time, like, was there, was there any like red flag, like in hindsight, any red flags, nothing like that. It just felt like there was not this. Back then. No, not at all. Not at all. Right. And then, and then there was this potentially like this sudden shift or. There was a period of time where, you know, it's just, I was drowning in just trying to do what I had to do. I mean, uh, imagine four kids, six dogs, yeah. a thriving business, and I'm pretty yeah. much doing it on my own and he's running his business. And, um, mm -hmm. and so the, there was definitely a, a distance there. And then, um, and then that crash and burn, which there's the worst kind of awful. Anybody who's been mm -hmm. through it knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and sure. now is so it's, it's like the better than ever. And for our kids too. Because it's like so, so there was this together, right, right, right. So in, in a sense, there was this growing apart. So you guys had been in love. You had 20, 20 great years together, mm -hmm. um, but like maybe the the stresses and strains. You mentioned he has a business or has a business. You, you had a business, mm -hmm. and the stresses and strains of just trying to keep your head above water with all life sort of things going on led to you growing apart and maybe forgetting the reasons why you first came together. Is that no? Or, or it's what, what was taking place there. Yeah, there are so many reasons why betrayals can happen, um, and and the, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no one reason. Um, I mean, and I don't know how spiritual your audience is, but uh, if they if they believe that sometimes there's a reason for everything, I'll share mm. a good story. The uh, what happens is, of course, trust is shattered. The person you trust mm. is the most proved untrustworthy, and then you don't trust yourself, and you say. Mm. Oh my gosh, where was I? How did I not see? How did I not know? So if I sure. can't trust the person I trusted the most and I don't trust myself, how in the world can I trust in anything and anyone? And that's terrifying. So, mm, and, and the study proved this, that we, we move towards spirituality because we need or we're looking for some type of connection, whether it's mm -hmm. the spiritual side of our religion. Some people abandon religion completely. Uh, some people who weren't spiritual at all became spiritual. And you, and it's understandable. They're looking for that type of connection. They're looking to mm -hmm. trust in something or some someone. So I, I had no connection, wanted, I saw a, a spiritual advisor who's since become a dear friend. And I walk into her office the first time and she says, oh my gosh, you plan this. And she just starts laughing. I'm like, what did you just say? She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn so he could be the husband, father, friend he signed up to be. You, you needed to crash and burn so that you could, you could come from this deep place of knowing you're going to have an institute. You're going to have all these books. You're going to have this huge following around betrayal. And I'm like, you're crazy. And here I am. Mm. 
So, so, so prior to this, you wouldn't have considered yourself a spiritual person. And then, and then you go, okay, I'm, I'm going to start looking for answers. And uh, th- this um, friend who, or this lady who's become a dear friend of yours, mm-hmm. what, what sort of spiritual practitioner is she? She just, you know, just is, is extremely intuitive and um, just intuitive, insightful. Uh, it was just, I don't know, all of it was very, in, uh, you know, intuitively guided, even for me to take on that particular PhD program. Like, why was I guided to that one? You know, it, it all it all made so much sense later on. And now, I mean, everything right, right. she said, actually, it's it's I'm living it. So I get it. Yeah. So, so, and I'm kind of curious about this then. Uh, so like when you say guided, like who, who or what uh, benevolent force um, do, you, do you view as kind of guiding or steering or directing these experiences and leading in the, in this direction? Well, I, I believe, you know, our highest version of ourselves are really what we're able to tap into to, to guide us. And, and it's hmm. when we're God source universe, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever it is for you, but, mm-hmm. uh, but what is so striking in so many people who've been betrayed, they they learn to sharpen that intuition, and and they realize that very often they turned it down, they turned it off, and mm-hmm. it's one of Absolutely. those things, you know. And and I I learned. I mean, I happen to be. I've been coaching thousands of people for over thirty years, mm, and absolutely. and sometimes they're like, well, well, how'd you know that? How did you? You know, it's a, it's like the ability to to hear what isn't being said, and and it just, you know, I guess it makes for a, it makes for a good coach, and it's just something we all have it. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And <clears throat> what what was like? You know, we talked about this. This way that their husband had betrayed you. What was this? What was this betrayal? And and did it take place like suddenly, or did it take place over a period of time? Like was it like little by little, or was it like yeah, sudden? It was infidelity, and that was the deal breaker. There's just <laughs> there was just no no room for that. Now I will sure. tell you. There were three groups in the study who did not heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one group in particular, in particular, this was the group that had where the betrayer had very little consequences. And I mm-hmm. saw two things with this group. Number one, a further deterioration of the relationship. And two, this group was the most physically sick. The broken <laughs> heart can't handle that. And that was the deal breaker. And so here I was. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna heal. And that's it. That was my only intention. And people are so afraid of that, the complete death and destruction of the old, but mm-hmm. that's the only way to birth the new, whether it's right. just a new you or a new, you know, collective you and the person who hurt you as a very different, you're both totally different. Uh, that's the, that's the possibility. So go, going through that experience, uh, what ages were your kids when this um, took place? Were they still at home? They were teenagers. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why my husband transformed to the level that he did was he was the one who told them. Mm-hmm. And I would never say what's right or wrong for mm-hmm. a person. But I think if anything is going to have you wake up and, and realize what's important, it's losing all the people that mattered most. Mm-hmm. So would you, would it be fair to say that this was um, not necessarily a sort of malicious act, but maybe like, an error error in ways because you guys had grown apart. There was maybe some unmet needs or things like that. And so it sort of led down this path looking to meet needs elsewhere, but really it wasn't done with this malicious intent to destroy you per se. 
You know, I don't, I don't, I think with so many, and we actually have a rebuild program, which is specifically for the betrayer. So I (laughs) speak to them and I, I get to know their motivations behind things. It's, it's as it is, it's malicious in that it's, it's causing a depth of pain that is indescribable to another Mm -hmm. human being. It is totally and completely selfish because the person isn't thinking about what that hurt is causing. Now it all depends if, if there's, let's say a narcissist who just, there's zero empathy and Mm -hmm. you're not having any empathy before, after, during, it's a different story for sure. You know, and there are ranges and scales and all of that, but, um, but it's the lack of consideration for the damage that's about to be caused. And I guess one of the reasons why, uh, let's say like I'm an empath and I'm a highly Mm -hmm. sensitive empath. So I'm, I'm always feeling what that other person would feel if I were to do something. So it's, Mm -hmm. I live very simply, is this going to hurt someone? Yeah. Okay. Don't do it. Period. End of story. And, and the way, you know, and then I feel everybody lives that same way. And I'm always shocked and amazed that that's not the case, you know? So Mm -hmm. we never know. like I said, there are so many reasons there could be unhealed trauma. There could be addiction. I mean, there's so many reasons, but um, yeah. So when this happened to you and, and maybe at this point in time, you hadn't dove into the the research, the psychology, all this kind of stuff, your previous business, like you said, like fitness, health kind of thing, but was it, it wasn't necessarily connected to this uh, particular area of folks at this point in time. So did you feel, I mean, in hindsight, like that you were, you're not really equipped and maybe we never really are until we go through it, but really equipped with the tools to deal with this. And, and then the follow-up question would be, when you experience this sort of le- level of sort of indescribable hurt, what mm-hmm. place does that lead you to? And what actions did it lead you to taking? Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, I was, I was in like the lifestyle business, you know, helping people just uh, whether it's health mindset, personal development. I mean, that's what I was doing. And the, the, the beauty about that is we use a lot of that within the PBT Institute because sometimes what you eat and how you move are the only things you have control of. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a great place to start. And of course you'll feel better. You'll have clarity and uh, a greater ability to focus as you're moving through these things. So I took a lot, like you look back, of course, and you're like, Oh, I get why I did that. Now it all makes sense. Anything that works, we still, you know, we're using within the Institute. Um, but, but it's just uh you know, what the, I was in business, like I said, for, for 30 years, I had no preparation for anything like this. Mm-hmm. And who does, you know, who, who, Absolutely. but the, but it was after that, the pain was so profound. Like a book wasn't helping me out of this mess. I needed a whole PhD in it. And I was right, right. diving full in with the sole intention of healing. That's it. I had no idea. I had no idea a roadmap was going to show up. I mean, I would love to get to the discoveries so you mm. can see what emerged as a result of all of this. But um, but I just wanted to heal and I wanted my kids. OK, period. Mm-hmm. Indescribable pain, um, mental, emotional, physical. How does that manifest in, in, in the body and, and in life? And, and again, how do, you, how do you navigate other people like relationships if you still had friends, family, that yeah. kind of thing while you're in this pain? Yeah. Well, that was actually the second discovery. What you just described, what was learned was um, what was discovered is there's a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional. So common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. Mm -hmm. And we had 80,000 plus people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. Uh, And I have, I pull the stats from the quiz every couple Mm -hmm. of months 
see where people land, happy to share them uh, if you want to hear it, because the, the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms stemming from the betrayal, whether it's a betrayal that happened 40, 50 years ago, it doesn't matter. These are symptoms that people walk around today and then they medicate or suppress the symptoms thinking, yeah. oh, it's due to stress. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this or aging. No, it's not. It's your unhealed betrayal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so in, in your personal experience, what was it that uh, that showed up for you? Yeah, I mean, it was it was the anxiety. It was the sleep issues, the adrenal fatigue, um, mm-hmm. You know, so so many. Uh, it's yeah. I'll, I mean, I could read a few. Would you want you want to hear? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about your experience and really how you sure. yourself navigated out of this. So you reach this place, like you said, adrenal fatigue, sleepless night, dealing mm-hmm. with anxiety, all of these things. Yeah. So you get to like the, maybe maybe even the lowest point in your sort of human existence, the most difficult place. How do you dig yourself out of that? How do, how did you yourself yeah. um, dig out of that? Yeah, I I couldn't afford not to. I had kids to raise. I had a business to run. Uh, and I just couldn't afford not to. And then what was happening was whatever the research was proving worked, I tried. And then I was seeing clients at the time and they were like, how are you so heavily medicated? Like they couldn't even get through their day. And they were like, how are you doing this? And I, and I would just start telling them what I was doing, what, you know, the having, uh, if, if, also the wrong type of support does way more harm than good. So I was very mindful about who I was spending my time with. And, um, and I was just, it was really kids work, crash, kids work, crash kids, and just implementing yeah. what I was learning just to get so me like a painful hole. You, you had in all of this. So you had something to anchor yourself to, to pull you, you forward you had people that still were relying on you. And so you use that as an anchor because maybe you didn't have that within yourself at this point in time, because your sense of self had been significantly injured or damaged going through this experience. And so you kind of had to anchor and connect to others in your life to help move you forward, whether consciously or subconsciously. And and there was a part of it where I just, it, it, maybe it was subconscious at the time, but I knew this roadmap that I was, that was just being created would serve if Mm. I just figured it out and use myself as the means of figuring it out and the study participants, it'll, it'll, it'll serve. So I have no idea, just keep going. And it felt like I was Mm -hmm. in this sort of transformation tunnel where there was no light at all at the, you know, and you just can't see the light at all. And I would check in with myself every couple of weeks. Where are you? Where are you? What are you? 10%. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. 10, 20%. Oh, wait, there's light, but I'm nowhere close. Wait, there's 50%. Okay. Just keep going. And if it doesn't work, don't do it. If it works, keep doing it. And it it Mm -hmm. was, it was as deliberate and intentional as that. Mm. And thank you for sharing that. I think this is really, really powerful because while stats, facts, and statistics, of course, they're important because they inform us and guide our decision making and so on at at, at a human and an individual level. When we hear that this is this is what a a real human being did in in, in real life, essentially, that really makes a difference for people. So I do appreciate you sharing that. Um, And and obviously, we've hinted at over the course of this, you know, there was three discoveries and we've kind of touched on the in in sort of broken segments. But maybe if we were to to bring them forward again and say, like, you you did this study on on betrayal and post-betrayal. Symptom, uh, syndrome and whatnot. Um, what kind of in a nutshell were these three discoveries that, that came forward? Yeah, the first was that betrayal is a very different type of trauma. So it mm, gets its yes. own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. The second was that there's a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And mm. time 
or a new relationship will not heal it. Healing must be deliberate and intentional. And we have mm. the specific symptoms that people experience that they often treat. They'll go to the best gut doctor. They'll go to a sleep expert. They'll go to their you know MD. And it has nothing to do with any of that. They're hacking away at the symptoms unless and until they get to the root of it. That's why our certification program is for doctors, coaches, healers, therapists. So they do get to the root. The mm. third discovery was that while people can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and most do, if they're going to fully heal, go from post-betrayal syndrome to post-betrayal transformation, they will mm. go through those five proven predictable stages. Yeah. Okay. Which is really fascinating. And what, what are those stages? Yeah. So they're all mapped out in trust. Again, it's what we teach within the Institute. It's what all of our coaches are certified in. Here's a boiled down version of them. Of course. Just, yeah. We, we, uh, we're just going to explore it in a tiny little nutshell here, which, uh, yeah, um, tiny little, I mean, it, it's going to take like five minutes or so. It, are we okay? Coconut size nutshell. Oh yeah. Okay, you betcha. Right. So stage one is before it happens. Um, and okay, let's, I'll just leave off stage one and just get start with stage two. Stage yeah. two, the scariest of all of the stages, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day, the scariest. And it's mm. the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is at a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. You can't wrap your mind around what you just learned. Makes no sense. Your worldview has just been shattered. That's your mental model. The rules that govern us, that prevent chaos. Don't go there. Trust this person. Mm -hmm. And in this one life-altering moment, every rule you've known and held to be real and true is no longer the bottom. is bottomed out. And a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. It's traumatizing. But think about right. it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? you grab hold of anything you could to stay mm -hmm. safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival so, instincts. Yeah. So stage two, how long... How long you know, it's individual, of course, but do we know that there's, we see approximately, is this like 48 hours? Is this two weeks? Or, or what do we see in terms of time frame that people might be in this place? Yeah, it has more to do with willingness than mm, anything. Interesting. Fascinating. The more resistant someone is, they can still, they'll stay there for a really long time. Resistance okay. and willingness had more to do with, with anything than time. Hmm. Super important. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Okay. So stage three then. Stage three uh, is by far, hands down, the most common place we get stuck. It's the most practical out of all mm -hmm. the stages. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Um, and this is where we get stuck. And here's why. Yeah. Once we've figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. And because we don't, we don't know there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we park here, we plant roots here. We're not supposed to, but we do. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self benefits from being here. You get your story, mm. you get to be right. You get sympathy from everybody, you know, mm, and on some mm. level that feels good. So you plant roots here. Because you're here longer than you should be, now your mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you climatize. And so you plant deeper roots. Now, because this is where you are and these are the thoughts you're thinking, well, this is the energy you're putting out. Like energy attracts like energy. So now mm. you start attracting people and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. Gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go. Right here, we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but I have to work. I have to feed my kids. So mm -hmm. we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, whatever it is, right? 
to numb, avoid, and distract yourself. So think about it. We do it for a day, a week, a month now to have it, a year, 10 years. I can see someone 10 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they look at me like I'm crazy. And they say it happened 10 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and mm-hmm. statement. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so why. How, I wrote, how, how do we get out of stage three then? Yeah. And, and that's why I wrote from hardened to healed because while trust again moves you through all five stages, everybody's winding up and staying in stage three. So from hardened to healed is just for stage three. Anyway, yeah. if you are willing, again, there's that word again, willing to let go of the small self benefits, grieve, mourn the lost bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's Mm -hmm. where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. Right there in that decision, you're turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you just stopped the massive damage you were creating in stages two and stage three. Mm -hmm. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved. If you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, you you know, all your stuff is in there. It's not, not cozy yet, but you're like, okay, okay, we can do this. It feels like that. But think about it. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You mm. don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, right in this very spot of stage four, you outgrow them. You don't take them with you. So- what because you mentioned leaving behind some self benefits, which is of course part of what keeps people stuck. What compels people to let go of those benefits and, and move into this uncomfortable space? What is it that makes me want to pull forward from that? Yeah, you know, I did two TEDx talks, and the and in the first one, I remember saying, when the pain of where you are becomes greater than the fear of the unknown, you do. Mm, absolutely, and yeah. it's a big moment where you are receiving benefits, but life stinks. You're not Mm -hmm. feeling good in your health, in your relationships, in your work, in anything. And you're just fine. Yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) No, you're not. You're stuck. So when you realize there's so much more, so much more, once you're willing to let go of the story and all the people that go along with it and all of that, um, that's where transformation begins. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's very scary. You know how many people we work with who will sabotage their healing because they don't want to outgrow their betrayer. Mm. Now there's no change in the betrayer, but it's just the only benefit is familiarity. That's it. Mm -mm. So then stage four is you made the move to a new normal. Um, Stage five, which sounds kind of exciting to me. I'm I'm, I'm interested to now hear what so when you when you're settling in to stage four mentally, you're making it cozy. You're making it home. You move into the fifth, most beautiful stage, and this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The mm. body starts to heal. Self love, self care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. The mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled, and you have a mm. new worldview based on what you see so clearly now. Mm. So. Now to go back to your your individual and personal story because this is fascinating. This this prompts the question: mm-hmm. what what sort of communication was it that opened the door to reconciliation with your husband? Yeah, and and, and maybe who who opened that door? Yeah, well, you know, so he was out of the house immediately. Of course, I you know I had to be in touch with him for the kids, and and it was 
within days, he got rid of his fancy things and this and that. And it's like, he woke up in the biggest kind of way. And he said, well, what, what can I do? What, what, you know, what can I tell me to read, study anything? And, and I, it just emerged. I said, well, listen, you know, I, I'm very spiritual. So if you have any interest, that's it. I, you know, just read some books. And he took to it and it, it began the most incredible transformation in him. There's something about being confronted with your own behavior mm-hmm. that just absolutely wakes you up. And, and it, that's what it did for him. And he just took it and ran with it. And he became someone really that that's, that's transformation. You take all the parts of you, you love, and you leave behind everything that no longer serves. Mm-hmm. So from the, from the time that the betrayal took place to the time that you began to be reconciled and, mm-hmm. and heal, what, what was that time frame? Yeah, it was, it was, you, you know, the exact time, I don't know, but year or two, it was definitely, um, yeah, it wasn't a tremendous amount of time. I mean, keep in mind, he radically transformed because he was the one who told the kids and then I don't have easy mm. kids like, oh, okay, no problem. No, they, they really let him know exactly. But, but I think this is really important to highlight. Um you know, that because it means that some, maybe we have the idea that this, this is going to take many years to heal. And it's like, it doesn't have to. Map. No, doesn't, not doesn't at all. To. So, so then um, did you end up getting back together while you were studying for your PhD? And he, was, was he like aware that this is like your study and oh, this is yeah. what you're doing? Very much so. And then, uh, and I think, you know, I healed as quickly as I did because, I mean, I had, I was doing the work. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and, and um, it, and then he just, his healing continued. I mean, think about this. I birthed an entire Institute mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. of what he did. Now, this is how, you know, someone is transformed. You would think like when I wrote trust again, my story is in there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I thought my, and I said all the, I sat the kids down. I told him, I said, okay, it's, it's all in here. And I thought the kids would be like, Oh, come on, mom. <laughs> you know, They were mm-hmm. right behind me. And my biggest supporter was my husband. And he said, you mm-hmm. know what, you're going to, you're going to show, you're going to show the world that, that betrayers can change too. So hmm. powerful. Debbie, you got a, you got a fascinating story and just tremendous insight and wisdom gleaned from life experience. I love how you turned a mess into an incredibly powerful message. Thank you messages here. You know, those who've, who've listened uh, to this conversation today, if, if they could take one thing away from this, what is it you would like them to take away? Yeah, you know, a few things. And I know you said one, but I'll, I'll make it quick. Just because it happened to you, it's not about you. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is I didn't do anything anyone else couldn't do. Staying stuck is a choice. I did the research. I have the proof. Staying stuck is a choice and it's a bad one. Move through the five stages and enjoy what stage five brings you. Staying stuck is a choice. I love that because we could look at that like, how dare you, how dare you say that to me? Or we could look like this is empowering. I well, I'm saying it with love stuck. and I hope that's how it's received. <laughs> that's what we want. Debbie, thank you so much for being on today. It's truly been a pleasure. Thank you for all the amazing work that you do. And I'm excited to see what comes out from the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Between the Before and After. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, or leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people. I love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after, the powerful experiences that shape who we become. And I love 
human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you. Because if you're still here, your story's not done yet, so keep moving forward. Anyone can come from any place of brokenness and destitution and build an amazing life.